welcome to the Rich Thoughts Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God and terrify the devil. Get ready. It's going to be a great journey. Good morning and welcome to Rich Thoughts for Breakfast. I'm Harold Herring, and that's my fine wife, Bev, and has been our custom so far this year. Mm. You've got a scripture, one of them, 365. 365 days of do not be afraid. Amen. And this one is also in Joshua. Last one in Joshua. 11.6 that I know of. Joshua 11.6. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them because by this time tomorrow I will hand all of them slain over to Israel. You are to hamstring their horses and burn their chariots. Wow. Wow. Hallelujah. judgment. Okay. That's it. Do not be afraid of them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to remember. We yeah. don't have to be afraid of them, no matter who them are. <laughs> Thank you, honey. On today's call, we're going to discuss having the last word means you lose. Mm-hmm. We've always told our children, as they will testify to, that having the last word in a discussion, an argument, or intense moment of close fellowship... <laughs> doesn't mean that you've won. In fact, generally means you've lost. There's something inherent in our human nature that makes us want to prove that we are right, whether we are or not. It's called the flesh, our carnal nature. 1 Corinthians 3.3, 1 Corinthians 3.3, God's Word Translation. Because you're still influenced by your corrupt nature when you're jealous and quarrel among yourselves, Aren't you influenced by your own corrupt nature and by living by human standards? See, that's why. That's why we want whomever we're talking to to know that, well, sometimes we want them to know that we're right and they're wrong. Heaven help the person who we're talking to if they don't follow God's instructions or advice. Because if they don't, they'll make a costly mistake. Rubbing our wisdom and someone else's ignorance can become a favorite pastime, but not a good one. That's it. Galatians 5.16, 5.16, New Century Version. The Spirit in human nature, so I tell you, live by following the Spirit, then you will not do what your sinful selves won't. We were reading Proverbs 17.9. 17.9 and New International Version. A scripture stirred in our spirits. Here it is. He who covers over an influence, no. He who covers over an offense promotes love. But whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Mm. If we let go of another's mistakes, errors in judgments, faults, or whatever you call it, you've done a scriptural thing. Even a godly thing. I'm not saying that matters of correction shouldn't be discussed. I am saying that harping on them will separate friends and loved ones. In fact, it will diminish the wisdom and effectiveness that you may have in a person's life. The contemporary English version of Proverbs 17.9 says, You will keep your friends if you forgive them, but you'll lose your friends keep talking about what they did wrong. Mm. You know, one other thing. If a friend or a loved one of yours 
did something really dumb or embarrassing, that is a perfect reason not to bring it up, especially in front of other people. They may laugh as you recount the story, but it's only in a self-defense mechanism. It seems a favorite pastime of, well, game show, you know, host reality shows. It was a number of years ago for sure. It was to show how stupid people can be. I just can't believe that that was even, is even popular on television. Some people would do anything to appear on TV, maybe. But what you do think it does to someone, I mean, what, what does it do to somebody's insides when they are totally humiliated in front of millions of viewers? I've even heard talks of people committing suicide. Yes. Even though the Jerry Springer show is, on a, I think it's probably on reruns or not on TV, that spawned a series of shows that created a cultural mindset of bringing out the worst in an already sinful not, um, society, nature of society. These shows set a deadly precedent in hurting people, making it seem like that's all right. It's a dangerous game that has, you know, become commonplace and caught on. Do you like to be reminded of the dumb mistakes you've made? Do you want everyone laughing about your lapses in common sense? Of course not. It's not fun for you, it's really, degrading and humiliating. Everybody makes mistakes, but it is not humor for somebody's ill-conceived and sinful mind. That's it. No one else like no one likes being the butt of a joke. This is especially true when it comes to for sure being married to someone, spouses and financial decisions and and it opens people up to attack. Well, if you hadn't bought that truck, we wouldn't be in this mess. If you hadn't gone overboard buying Christmas presents, we wouldn't, we'd be able to pay this bill. I tell you, it's easy to shout at ugly things to people. But the point of it is this. You know, if you've got, you know, if there just is an ex a dozen excuses. You know, buying your kids' stuff, get, not getting a raise or not getting the promotion. The most dangerous game spouses can play with one another is the blame game. It's not my fault, it's yours. We need to realize that when we get married, you become one with your spouse. When you're chastising your mate or putting them down, then you're doing the same thing to yourselves. Hear this. In Genesis 2.24, it says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Make no mistake about it. There are spiritual, serious spiritual consequences when we embarrass our spouse or speak down to them or abuse them verbally. In fact, we're doing ourselves harm. The point is to not cause blame, but to sit down and work through the trouble until you get an answer. Ephesians 5, 29 through 33. Ephesians 5, 29 through 33 in the Message Bible sums up relationships between a husband and wife. It says, no one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ treats us, the church, since we are a part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife. No longer two, they become one flesh. Yes. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is clearest to me is the way Christ treats this church and this provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself in loving her, 
and how each wife is to honor her husband. That's good. You know, I have a friend, a very smart man, who continually puts down his wife in front of other people. She just takes it, even though she is every bit as smart as he is. He doesn't realize that he's, by putting her down in front of others, he's actually lowering himself and others pay and other people's opinion of him. That's true. Not her. Lowering their opinion of him. I mentioned this to him once, and, well, he didn't take it too well. That's why he's just an acquaintance instead of a very good friend. By mentioning his unflattering behavior habit to him, I did what was right in God's fight because I warned him of something that would hurt him. How he responded to my observation between him is, well, it's between him and God. But truthfully, it's not enjoyable to be around him anymore. Here, here's the bottom line from all of this. You will never increase your own value, importance, or self-worth by continually reminding someone else of their faults, even if they made some ignorant mistakes. It just is not worth it. Let's look at Luke 17, 9. 17, 9 once more, this time in the New Living Translation. It says, love prospers when a fault is forgiven. But dwelling on the fault separates close friends. What's the one thing you and I should desire, desire above all others? For the love of God to prosper in and through our lives and everyone we know. The scripture doesn't tell us to put people down every day. On the contrary, Hebrews 3.13. 3.13 in the New International Version says, But encourage one another daily. As long as it's called today, so that no one of you may be hardened by sins to deceitfulness. I want to say that again. Actually, I want to read what the Word of God says when it says, Encourage one another daily. We're to lift people up every day, not put them down. How do we change our behavior patterns? Here are seven keys. That's it. First, embrace Second Peter 1 4. 2 Peter 1.4, New Living Translation. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. Wow. How do we share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires? Seven words given to us many years ago. Harold, read your Bible. Do what it says. Glory. Second, stop watching or listening to TV or internet programs which deal with foolishness, sinfulness, and stupidity of human nature. Amen. Focus on the pure, the powerful, and the positive from the Word of God. That's what will change your life. Third, make a determined effort to make Hebrews 3.13 yours by encouraging at least one person every day. You can, you can actually encourage so many when you get in the habit of looking for the good in other people. It could be somebody on the job. It could be a person you meet in a restaurant. It could be anything. You know, yesterday or one of these, I guess it was yesterday it might have been, we opened a restaurant door for a couple ladies. One of them, as she walked by, told me I had beautiful eyes. I'm thankful that she noticed the Jesus in me. 